This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Hey, Ron Borges. Yes, sir. You know what it means when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance? Wish I called 15 minutes ago. You should have called 15 minutes ago. And you should go to Geico.com and you should have gone 15 minutes ago. Along with that Redskins fight song. And hearing that reminds me, we've got Joe Gibbs on the line. Joe Gibbs has three Super Bowl rings on his hand and a bust in Canton. And for good reason. He won those Super Bowls during his first coaching stint with the Washington Redskins. And he won them with three different quarterbacks. Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippon. None, of course, is in the Hall of Fame. But several of his players are. Daryl Green, for instance, Russ Grimm, Mark Monk, John Riggins. But Joe believes strongly there should be at least one more, and that's why he's here with us today to talk about class of 2017 finalist Joe Jacoby. Joe Gibbs, thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks, guys. Rick, Ron, Clark, thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I love to hear that Redskin fight song. It gets me going, man. It gets me going, okay? <laughs> Joe, we had uh, Hall of Famer Chris Dolan on the show last week, and he said Jacoby deserved to be in the Hall of Fame based strictly on the competition he faced, citing the 1980 yeah. decade. Lawrence Taylor twice a year, Fred Dean, Red, Richard Dent, Charles Haley, Bruce Smith, Hall of Famers one and all. Did that level of competition make Joe the player he became? I, I think the competition definitely did. You think about this guy's history. He came in there uh, as a free agent, and immediately the very first time we saw him on the field, his feet and the way he could move, and obviously his size for those days, but I do think you're exactly right. When you think about the people he went up against and playing left tackle, we all know what a premium that is. And so I felt like Joe, think about him, he goes through four Super Bowls with us. He was a mainstay. He could have played guard, but we kept him out there at tackle because he was so valuable out there for us. And uh, I, I think that's a big one of the one of the best things Joe got going for himself is all those guys, Lawrence Taylor and all those people that talked about playing across from Jacoby. Those those games were wars. I remember those things, and some of the some of the goal line stands and everything that we had. And Joe meant so much to us. And like you said, he played at a time where there were some great players playing across from him. And the NFC East in those days, think about it. What the Giants, Redskins, Philly, you think about that defensive line for Philadelphia. And then, of course, Dallas also. So I think he played at a time where it was black and blue division. And you got to make it happen. And Joe made it happen for us. You mentioned, Joe, that in 1981, uh, Jacoby came in as a, as a rookie free agent. He was undrafted by 28 teams through 12 rounds. Now here, we're th- the four of us are talking about him uh, very likely getting a shot to go into the Hall of Fame. How does that happen? I mean, we all understand mistakes get made and everything, but you know, you tend to scratch your head and say, well, it wasn't like he was five foot eight. He's <laughs> a pretty big guy. How no, does this no. happen? Well, I, I got to say, I was just talking about it down the way here when it comes to racing because a lot of this, our pit crews and guys going over the wall, here's what happens with sports. We all get caught up in how fast we can run, how high they can jump, uh, what they weigh, and so all those things the scouts are eager to tell you. But the one thing that you can't weigh is what? Your heart. heart. Right. And it's what kind of person and what kind of heart they have. And as a consequence, you have guys like 
Tom Brady <laughs> getting drafted <laughs> in the fifth round or whatever and sitting on the bench for two years. Uh, uh, you know, like you talked about our quarterbacks, Theismann was a third, Mark Rippon was a fifth. Listen, it is hard to evaluate people. And I used to laugh because in every city, when somebody takes a first-round draft choice, they say, oh, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. And, and, and that isn't the case. How many times do we miss on picking people? Because it's the intangibles. It's the thing that really what makes a person you know, come early, stay late, and was willing to pay a price. I always tell this little story. In 1984, we got off to a horrible start playing a Monday night game against the Cardinals. I came out. I always talked to the team the night before, but it was a Monday night game. I came out and said just this. If you guys got anything to give the Washington Redskins, give it tonight. We've got to have this. Had our prayer stood up, three of those big suckers that went with me through four Super Bowls were crying. That's what you need, people that care. I think, and it, and it carries over to all sports, it carries over to business, it carries over to media, everything you guys are doing, and it's so hard to evaluate people because, you know, those are the things that you really need to know what's inside of them, and I think that's one of the best things that, that Joe's got going for himself. I think he's an elite player that would pay a price he was there early, stayed late, and he was a mainstay, and we could always count on Joe. How quickly did you know that about him or, or come to realize that? Was there some moment where you walk into your staff meeting and say, hey, fellas, this guy's a special guy, I think? Yeah, well, what happened to us is uh, we had invested in, in uh, Mark May and, and Grimm in the draft that year because we were trying to rebuild our line. And uh, we got Joe as a free agent. You all know the story, but I thought he was a defensive lineman. And he sat in there, the nicest person in the world, <laughs> wouldn't correct me or anything. I was selling him on playing uh, four down <laughs> front. <laughs> That's how smart I am, by the way. <laughs> but here's what happened. We got him out there, and the very first time that we had scrimmages, and the very first time we saw him on film, that's when he showed up. His feet the intensity and uh, you know in that line we wound up with Jeff Bostic being a free agent he, he was in and we got Jacoby wound up playing left tackle it allowed us to move May and Grimm and we wind up as a studly group you know uh, but I, I, I think when you asked me that question it was the very first time that we started preseason and on scrimmages we saw him in action how quick he was with his feet and everything and you know, we used to try. We used to turn out with him on pass protection against four three ends, and you know that's that's as we all know, you got to have an athlete at at left tackle. Right. And Joe was an athlete, plus he was super strong and super big. He's a he's a massive guy with with a great heart. We're speaking with Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at Talk of Fame Net, and Joe, I want to talk about one of our favorite people, and that's Don Coriel. He's uh, also one of the finalists um, beyond Joe Jacoby, and he gave you your head start at San Diego State, and you later served as an offense coordinator with him, with the Chargers, of course, now the LA Chargers, but uh, he's, as I said, one of the 15 modern-year finalists in this class. What was his greatest contribution to the coaching profession that would make him worthy of a bust in Canton? I think this guy was one of the most unusual people I've ever been around in life. He was the most intense person 
that I, I honestly can say that I've been around in coaching. I would actually go at San Diego State when I first got a chance to be a graduate assistant under he and Madden, by the way, John Madden, <laughs> and I was the gopher. I would a- open the door. I would open the door to his office sometimes, and he would be sitting in near dark and just concentrating, you know, and thinking about something. I remember we went to went to coach. Um, you know, he brought me with him to coach in St. Louis in the pros when he first got that job, and so we were all bashing it. So we stayed. I wound up staying with him in, in the hotel, and in, in his room. I mean, in a room that was uh, we had a connecting rooms. And I would get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and I would hear I would hear this ice banging around in the glass, and I would look in there, and it'd be him sitting in there, and it'd be like three o'clock in the morning. I'm going to the bathroom, and he'd say something like, "Mel Gray needs to be a running back." I said, "This guy's this guy's a madman." So let me say this: as a coach, he got ready to play the game as if he was a player. And before the game, before every single game, he would find a way to hate the opponent. I mean, <laughs> literally hate them. And he could portray that to us as players any minute. He, he was dead serious. He hated them. Joe, we've got to run here, but thanks so much for the time. Thanks for the Coriel story, too, as always. <laughs> and uh, I, we'll see you this summer in Canton. Hey, good. Hey, put that Joe Jacoby in, will you? We need We're that guy our best. in there. We love this. We love Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right, okay. That was Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs. And guys, I'll be honest, I think Joe Jacoby has a pretty good shot this year. Anyway, up next, we're going to hear from NFL historian John Turney on what he thinks about the class of 2017. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.